Welcome one and all to Umami Manga. I'm one of your hosts, Petter, and with me I got my co-host, James. Hey! And today we're talking about Volume 7 of To Your Eternity. We are back after, like, two weeks of not doing anything To Your Eternity related, but... It feels like longer for some reason. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it does. It does. It does, I agree. Maybe it's because of the time skip in the manga. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, but yes, it has it has been some time that have passed here. But I guess, if unless you have anything else to say, we will get into the discussions. Sure. All right. So let's start with Fushi, the Knocker Slayer. The Knocker Devourer. Yeah, he's been eating them for the past forty years now. Like, oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, taking a page out of Pjorn's book, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I thought that was that was a really nice touch. Uh, was that originally brought up in that in that little in-between chapter page? Uh, so I didn't know about it until you said it. Right. I, I don't think yeah, the, that... the chapters normally say it. I think it's like in the volume. Exactly. I think I think that's what it was at first. So it, it was nice to see that here. As well as later in the volume, uh, another thing that was revealed in one of those little extra pages about this religion and, and things, how people right. started praising Fushi, right. would also be part of this volume later on but anyway um, that tells me is that if you want the full story you need the volumes <laughs> sort of yeah i mean i guess it's nothing like 100 no, percent super crucial no. but still i do think it adds to the experience in a really nice yeah. way ultimately um but you know uh for you know so far i've been keeping you up to date on at least the most important extra pages here thank you <laughs> but anyway uh one thing i, I want to mention real quick in the first five chapters of this volume Fushi is wearing Gugu's trousers. Oh, I never noticed that. I I, I, really? I didn't notice it until like the fifth chapter, like uh, so I, I barely I, I almost missed it, uh, but he is, and I thought that was such a nice little detail, you know, something to remember Gugu by. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah. Wow. It's it's so sweet. <laughs> Why did I notice that? Dang it! <laughs> I failed as a Gugu fan. <laughs> You know, I I don't think I picked up on it my first time reading through this like last year either. So, uh, anyway, something that's kind of made extra clear in this book is how Fushi is uh, he's afraid of getting hurt from losing other people again, hmm. and yeah, so that that's why he's been staying away from everything for all that time that he did right before this volume started. I had hoped that. At volume five, like the end of volume five, he had realized he needed people to help mm. him to right. not only take out the knockers, but just enjoy life and be happy. But thankfully, he realizes that this volume, I think finally we can say that. But maybe towards the end, he has a little bit of um, doubt. But he, I think he's able to overcome that and see that. But earlier on, yeah, he's he's very much just wants to do everything himself and not have that that pain like you were saying so mm. i don't know it was it was kind of sad to see him revert back to that but i guess it was also uh just the continuation of the lesson that i guess tonati was trying to teach him well not not like deliberately trying to teach him when they were younger but definitely when she was older i think it was a lesson that she was teaching him absolutely absolutely and actually, about Tonari, there was one part that kind of confused me. I mean, it's it's about Fushi, but it's also regarding mm -hmm. uh, related to Tonari. After Fushi woke up from the Western Morning Glory, and he came into the room where Tonari was lying in the bed, 
He asked why the knocker attacked Tonari, but at that point he shouldn't have figured out that it was Tonari yet. So I got really confused by that. Oh, I missed that. Uh... Uh, like It's like basically the first thing he says as he comes into the room. And so I was thinking if maybe it's a mistake, like either Oima's own mistake or perhaps a translator's mistake. I, I don't know. However, <laughs> uh, do you see it now? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I also had the thought that what if he somehow subconsciously knew that it was her without really having realized it, like, properly? Maybe. And that and that, that just kind of slipped out without him necessarily noticing that he even said it that way? Maybe. Um, I, I'm just trying to find a reason for, the, like, to make this mm-hmm. work somehow. Um, another, like, and, and kind of going along with that, I had the thought that what if while he was lying unconscious there at on the table uh, during the scene when it was only uh, Hisame and Sonari, like when they were interacting with each other, what if he some, sort of had a dream about what was happening between them? Because I feel like maybe he sort of had that maybe, or we, we speculated about that in volume five, I think, when when Hayase would... Was getting all fresh y- with him. Yeah, exactly. He would later on have a dream about that. And I was thinking sampling like, the Fushi course for sure. Yeah, uh, Sorry. <laughs> let's call it that. <laughs> uh, like so, basically, what if he sort of had a dream about what was happening between Hisame and and Tonari? See that I can see, but the name he should be able to register because later on he tries to transform into Tonari. He's like, oh, I can't. Tonari's yeah. still alive. Yeah. So I. I think, I mean, I totally glossed over this mm-hmm. without thinking because we all know it's Tonati. It's no surprise. Right. They literally say it earlier on. Yeah, and like to us, we, we, we were basically able to figure that out right away as readers. Right. So, so it was just, it just reading that kind of goes over your head, but you're right. He shouldn't have known that. And I, I, mm. I think it's a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it could, and I don't know if it's necessarily an Oima mistake. It might just be. Well, I don't. I don't want to throw the the translators under the bus, but it could be a translator. Exactly, it, it could be either. Really, it's hard to say um, just right now. But but yeah, I it, it was something that made me think at least. <laughs> and of course, I want I want I don't want it to be a mistake. <laughs> so I'm trying to find ways to make it work. <laughs> but I mean, I, I really don't know, and maybe it shouldn't be taken too seriously. Um, so, but yeah, just just wanted to see if you had any ideas there. <laughs> Well, we gotta wait till season two, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Maybe the anime will make sense of that. <laughs> I do hope so. No, I I don't have any possible uh, reasons for that. Mm. Uh, I think I think you gave the first reasoning you gave was good. Like maybe maybe he just subconsciously knew it, mm. but I, it just doesn't seem consistent with how he's reacting to finding out that Tonari. He's not dead, you know? I Yeah, I agree completely. It definitely seems mostly like a mistake, all things considered. <laughs> no, well. Uh, but hey, let's talk more about that scene. Uh, like about how when Fuji showed Tonari all the people that he met on his journey, we get to know that Rin, Shin, Boozman, and Nand have all passed away at this point. Mm-hmm. And I actually have something to talk about regarding this, something a little bit speculation-esque. Um, so back in volume five, when we learned that Perona had died, uh, mm-hmm. it was revealed in a very similar way. 
True. Mm-hmm. In that volume. And when we talked about that, we sort of speculated or we asked ourselves kind of, does Fushi take the form of the person the way they looked when they died? Or does he take the form of the person he remem- remembers as he remembers them? Right. And I think, as I said then, I st- which I still stand by regarding Perona, is that it's kind of both in this instance because I'm quite sure Hayase killed her pretty much right after Fushi left anyway. So it would be the same regardless of which of those options is true with with her. Hmm. But here we have Rin, Shin, and Nand, all of whom could have lived and aged long after Fushi last saw them. Right. Yet he does take the form, like for all of them, he takes they they take the form of how he, well, how he how he remembers them because that's how he how they looked when he last saw them. But but I I do think it's actually pretty possible that Fushi, well that he does take the form of them as they looked when they died. Uh, oh. And I actually have some some a few things to kind of back that up. Uh, hmm. because like b- based on this yes like just the fact that they all appear the way he r- should rem- remember them makes it seem like that isn't the case but but mm-hmm. but but anyway yeah I, I do have some points to suggest the opposite and basically the way we saw his shape-shifting powers work at the very beginning you know he he perfectly replicated the forms of a stone of moss and of a wolf Mm-hmm. All of that he did without having a mind or a consciousness or any memories of those forms at that time. Yet he was still able to replicate, like, make perfect copies of those forms. Mm. And similarly, sort of, we learn in this book, or at least the way I interpreted it, you know, he went to the library and kind of he touched books and then he would go home and read those books because he would make the books. At least that's how I right. interpreted it. Some, something like mm-hmm. that. So that also indicates that he doesn't need to have a perfect recollection of how something looks in order to recreate it. He just needs some kind of stimulus, like a memory of mm-hmm. of, of a stimulus from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily, he doesn't necessarily need to know exactly what it looks like. Because I'm thinking if he is able to create a book that he doesn't actually know the contents of, then that should go this for the same the same with people like he doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have to know what they look like in order to recreate them all he needs is the stimulus of um, the memory of them like having known them having had some kind of shared maybe some sort of bond with them right but he is creating the book as it was when he touched it not when you know hunt you know 50 years later it's all torn and and ripped he's not creating that kind of a book you know what i mean that's a fair point like, too and and this is an ina- it, it, um, inanimate object, so it's not similar to an animal or, or a human that um, that actually grows and stuff like that. So I, I see what you're saying, and fair point. But I'm not I'm not convinced yet that he's able to transform when they die. I kind of I mean it would be interesting if that was the case, um, but I think the fact I I look at Dean and. First off, the fact that she died off screen, I'm okay with uh, versus Perona. I was really upset with mm. Reen. Her story was basically finished, you know, mm. um, and I, at least I felt that way. And it finished well on, on a note that I that is impactful. So I was okay with that. Oima gets a pass there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But the second thing is with, with Reen, I see her and the fact that she's basically the same. She looks exactly the same as when Fushi left. I I just I don't see it 
I, I excuse me. I see it as Fushi is only able to transform at least at this point into what he remembers the person as. Maybe he gains the ability to guesstimate how a person will age uh, as as they go on, and he's able to rep, you know replicate that through transformation. I'm I'm just spitballing something there, but hmm. I don't know. At this point, I I, I feel. I feel like the evidence is more pointing towards it's all last time they he saw them. But why would why would he create a perfect replica of a wolf even with the wound, even though he had no memory of that wolf? Like he couldn't have acid rock. He couldn't have memory of anything. Because that's the last sensation he had. It's not, and it's not so much like the memory. It's the last sensation. Right. Exactly. And if the memories aren't that big of a deal in it, then... Okay. Okay. I, I get your point. I get your point. Mm-hmm. I guess it really. It, we really don't have enough necessarily to to like iron it down. Like to necessarily say. Yeah. But I, I see your point. I, I guess it's the part of me that kind of enjoys the tragedy of it. That kind of wants this to be the case because obviously this would be the more tragic like option because it would mean that all of these characters died young. Mm. I mean, it's still a possibility. <laughs> yeah. So I was thinking about Reen and perhaps her parents didn't better themselves uh mm. maybe she was still forced into marriage against her will and possibly and i know this is dark but maybe she took her life over how miserable she was feeling yeah i uh... i could i could see that being her mm-hmm. and sort of you know i wouldn't put that past oima and that would be really tragic yeah but that happens to everybody like sheen and nando and all of them Perhaps. Not necessarily killing themselves. Right. And obviously, and obviously we all die differently. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I mean, it's a story, so it's it's definitely possible. Yeah. I mean, I, I know, of course, it's just my speculation. And it might go against some of what we've sort of learned in the story. Like, we know that, mm-hmm. like, it, it, it has been mentioned that Fushi needs to remember things and items in order to recreate those shapes. But... But as I sort of touched on earlier, like I don't think it's necessarily right. the memory of that thing because he, well, as, as we saw with the books, he can recreate items without necessarily knowing exactly what they look like, but still be able to make a like, perfect copy of them. Um, but, but yes, that's all I had to say about that. Hmm. So how would we know, how, how will we ever know if they died premature or not? I, I guess... Yeah. It just depends on if someone later on dies and we're able to understand that Fushi is able to transform to the moment that they die. So let's say, mm. you know, for example, I, I, I don't know how the story will go, but let's just take Bone, for example. Yeah. Who, okay. So Bone, let's say Bone uh, leaves Fushi at one point and uh, he dies in old age, but the last time Fushi saw him was, you know, prime age of 20 or something like that uh-huh. if fushi transforms into his older self then i think i think that confirms mm. he transforms into the moment they die for sure yeah yeah we we, we really need uh, an instance like that to confirm this so until potentially something like that would happen we can't really know for sure okay so gotcha or at least yeah i, I agree with you on that well now, 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 you're gonna make me have that in the back of my head. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Good. You. Thanks for that, Petter. <laughs> I just, it's just this side of me that enjoys the tragedy in these stories. <laughs> so I just, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that 
in, interesting, interesting specul- speculating there, uh, for sure. And by the way, that was a beautiful scene, uh, really touching to see all these people again, the people that he'd met on his journey and all that was was great yeah that was that was nice and especially the the reveal of reen being dead was mm-hmm. was especially impactful because even though like even if she didn't die young she still would have died somewhat young like when she was maybe 40 or 50 yeah it's hard to say exact age but yeah definitely about 40 years ago she was 15 but, well let's talk about how many years have passed just for the heck of it yeah. So for, he he spent four years as a fish, right? Was it four two, years? Two years as a fish, and then almost 40 years on the island. Two years, okay. So mm. two years mm. as a fish, and then who knows how long time before that with Pioran. Uh, it could right. have been a It could have been a short amount of time, or maybe it was longer than that. I don't know. But we'll just say two years in total before his 40-year-old self. Mm. Uh, so at least 42 years. That would put Veen at least at 56, right? Yeah, something like something like that. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, not ideal. You you would hope she lived a little longer. Exactly. Exactly. Or well, you you would hope that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, better. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no. I, I I do hope she lived a good, long, happy life. <laughs> I do. <laughs> um, but yes, the the beholder says almost forty years on the island. So he doesn't say exactly forty years. So maybe that's. 38 or 39 like we don't know exactly okay uh but yeah like 40 something like yeah whatever yeah about 40 years but yeah uh fushi is replicating money now yeah i mean <laughs> what do you think about smart. that <laughs> smart but uh a uh, little shady yeah but he's an immortal <laughs> being <laughs> he gets a pass <laughs> i mean may- maybe maybe he'll get a conscious and be like oh my gosh this is actually a bad thing i'm doing oh, although yeah. i did think maybe I did think uh, him producing the money for that lady whose son was being sold at a ransom or something like uh, that, uh. or held at ransom. Well, actually, that surprised me. He didn't have any problems as much as I thought it would. I thought people would start begging him for money, like crazy at that time. Yeah, it seemed that um, way too. I I, I agree. <laughs> but they just, just everyone was really happy, really chill about it. Oh, that's so great! Yeah. I don't have any desires for money. It's like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I guess that's refreshing in a way, because usually the people would just, you know, be like, "Hey, give me some." I agree with that, but yeah, like he is really praised as a hero or like a god almost by a lot of those people there. Yeah. But then there are, you know, there's also those people that shun him and uh, that really dislike him and that want him gone from this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, now that he's exposed himself and become known to the general public, so I th- that opens up for some really interesting. Stuff, I think. Yeah, it does. The story is really taking an interesting turn uh-huh. where, yeah, some years had passed during this, I guess, first arc or, I, I, I don't know, I even hesitate. The first part. The first like part the of first the story. Like the first six books? Yeah, the first six books. Mm. The story has moved forward, but not incredibly fast paced. Yeah. But then we get to this point where hundreds of years are passing right like yeah we had like the 40 years at the beginning and then toward the end there were several generations that passed we don't know exactly or well we do know exact sort of exactly i mean we could based on hayase's gener- uh, genealogy we can say it's at least 100 years maybe close to 200 maybe yeah yeah 
I I'm not gonna do any math, the math now, but yeah, no, a, I mean, a lot of time has passed. I'm anyway. just spitballing here. Yeah. But <laughs> either way, it, the the years are passing so quickly, mm-hmm. and that could be just uh, you know a comparison to how Fushi's viewing time at this point, where yeah. where time instead of becoming where the days are slower, it's like the years are years almost act like days. You know exactly. Yeah, half a year doesn't feel like an eternity to him anymore, which is great. Yeah, which yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it, it like we were saying. It's it's interesting that we get these different uh, factions and even countries involved. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I I am interested to see where all the I I guess politics. Not really politics. It's just people who don't like or who think Fushi's a devil or demon. Yeah. <laughs> and and then the guardians along with the. I guess that that kingdom that bones from. Uh, yeah, Uralis, or uh, what's it called? I I pronounce it Uralis, but I'm not sure Uralis? if I do if I do that pronunciation justice. I have uh, to look at the Japanese and because you know the katakana was spelled out basically. <laughs> true, or at least sort of. It depends on well, like, yeah, what the intention is. <laughs> A but... Japanese pronunciation of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's really interesting to see where this is gonna go. Um, more on Fushi was. Uh, something I thought was kind of thought was kind of interesting was about what Tonari told him to to find a friend, to find someone who can understand him. Yeah, uh, was interesting, and I think it seems like Fushi wonders if Kahaku can be become such a friend to him. Uh, mm-hmm. At least it seemed that way to me at one point later on in the volume. If you know he he kind right. of had those sorts of thoughts about Kohaku mm-hmm. or Kahaku. And I I do think he he does try to build some sort of friendship bond with him, um, like that. I mean he he doesn't think of him as a super special person like like Gugu or March were, obviously. But right. I I think he he does have those sorts of thoughts and maybe cur- that that curiosity to maybe to maybe have Kahaku as a friend like that in the future. I definitely have more thoughts about Kahaku. Mm. Uh, so I'll say for his character thing, but yeah. I do think that there is potential here mm. for a friendship more so than with really any of the other, uh, <laughs> I guess, reincarnations of Hayase. Probably, yeah. <laughs> so something I want to bring up is earlier on in the story, when Fushi gets back from the sea, by the way, that whole sea escapade was pretty funny. And yeah. the, the the goatee, or actually... So so it's so his friend in the in the sea was, I thought that was really funny like the the greatest betrayal in all of anime right there, <laughs> when that when that goatee left him but so something I realized I thought goatee was a type of fish um, but I looked so I looked up goatee I was like what is this uh-huh. and apparently so it must be an English translation thing G H O T I can also be pronounced fish. Because of how messed up English is with its weird pronunciations. Oh, I think I've heard maybe something about this when I was younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. This seems sounds familiar. Oh, I, yeah. I this is something that I think I I, I heard a long time ago, but right. I totally forgot about. Uh-huh. So you know, got just just real quick, like rough mm. is spelled with G H at the end, so that's fifth, so with fish, and so you can do that for every every one of those letters. Right. Uh, anyway, so I thought that was really <laughs> funny, and um, 
kudos to I assume is a translation team to be coming with that. Maybe there's something similar in Japanese. Right. I'm not sure. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, that was the greatest portrayal in anime history, and I'll never forgive you. <laughs> um, totally but but after that, he mm. says he transformed into the form that felt the most him, the most me. Yes. And it was, and it, well, I see, see, I even said it was Fushi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's the boy. Uh-huh. But then later on in the story, he's basically forced to change his appearance because they recognize the boy too much. Yeah. And now he's walking around as Perona, mm-hmm. which I, I wonder if he should have gone with Mia more. I just, just because Mia doesn't have much of a character in the story and that Fushi transforming to Mia kind of be like a fresh slate. Whereas Perona was, you know, someone that this, the reader really knows and kind of is like conflicting. To, at least for me, it was like <laughs> conflicting seeing him just being himself as Perona in, instead of just, you know, transforming her into her for, you know, battle purposes or whatever. I I, see. I, I mean, don't know. I, it, I get you. I get it's you. It's a strange thing. You get you know what I'm saying? I, I do. But but I, I don't feel that way personally. I I actually really liked it because I yeah. think well because of her being much more of an act like an actual character, much more of an important character to the story compared to for example Mia. Yeah. Uh, I think that just makes it more interesting in general. That's true too. That's true too. Hmm. <laughs> um. So like okay, it's kind of love hate because I I love Perota's design so much because oh my gosh, <laughs> of like, course, so cute. <laughs> but yeah, I just I guess there were just a couple like conflicting feelings. One. Does he stay as Perona? Is that a spoiler if I ask this? If it if you think it is a spoiler, don't tell me. But does he stay as Perona, like for this like arc, or does he ever like, go back to being what he used to call himself, me? You know, the boy. Well, should I answer this? You don't have to. It could be just a rhetorical question. Right. 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 Yeah. So I I understand like spoiler spoiler reasons you don't have to answer but it's just it's just something that got on, got on my question because if he does stay Perona that does bring up some interesting not complications but potential plot threads mm. and I don't know it'd be interesting to see where it goes absolutely you know I'm 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 happy to see more just to see him use the shapes of of his other you know friends more more frequently. Personally, I like. Oh, that's a good I, I remember that was something when I read this series the first time, or the, 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 these twelve books. That's something that was going through my head. Like I, I was hoping, okay, kind of wishing he would use Gugu's form more, and and for and and like we see uh, per- Perona's form here. Like it's something mm-hmm. that I definitely enjoyed seeing. Yeah, I'm glad that yeah we. I'm glad we can see Perona again as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, speaking about like that part of the story. He lets himself get captured by Bon in hopes of perhaps making friends with him in order to, you know, to have his massive army on his side in the fight against the Knockers, mm-hmm. which is good thinking, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um, especially considering kind of where he was at for a big portion of this volume with, you know, mm-hmm. not really wanting to incorporate himself into any situations or, you know, be in a bigger situation with a lot of people around. Uh, so I think I thought I think that was a good move, very good move. Yeah, uh, Fushi, the ruler of the free people. I like it. Yeah, exactly. And well, I guess my last thing on Fushi is that we actually get to learn at the very end of this book that March and Gugu and everybody else 
Yeah. They are actually walking alongside Fushi, wherever he goes. It's just like no one can see them, except for Bon. Bon can see them. Yeah. Uh, so really interesting to, to know that. Like they're there all the time. That, that's fascinating because we have been wondering ever since, I think, the Gugu, when Gugu died and he said he had no regrets, but then we saw March in the back. Yeah. We had always wondered what, what was that? I remember I listened back to that discussion and, you know, we were contemplating what that could be. Hmm. I think this just, this shows that they really are there walking with Fushi this whole time. And it's not everybody. I think based on what was discussed with uh, Fushi about Phi, and we can talk about that in detail with the Beholder. But, yes, yes. Or whenever you would like. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but with Phi, to me, most of the spirits that were with, or not spirits, most of the people that were with Fushi and the he can transform into, most of their Phi went onward, moved on, um, whether it was reincarnation or onto the paradise or whatever uh, the Beholder called it in chapter six or volume six. Mm. But we see that these guys stayed behind to be with Fushi. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why or how they made that choice. I think Tonati is probably the easiest to understand since it seemed like that was her goal from the from the moment she went back to Fushi, you know, to go save him. It seemed yeah. like that was kind of her desire. But everyone else, it, it, like Gugu said, he lived, a, he didn't regret his life. And so I thought that would mean he'd be okay with passing on. Yeah. But I guess I guess he felt like he needed to be there for his little brother. Exactly. And I admired that. And yeah, and I, I think that's totally it too. Because I think one of the things we learned about the Phi was that basically they can carry on somebody's will. That, that, that's kind of mostly what they do, supposedly. So I think someone who had a strong willpower to to be with someone or to stand by a loved person or, or, or something like that, I think may, maybe that's maybe it's related to that. Like maybe that, that's why these people who were the closest to Fuji want to stay by his side because that's what they wanted to do like that's what they would have wanted mm-hmm. i think yeah, yeah i think that's a strong possibility so just quick couple things uh fushi is the 40 year old virgin um <laughs> although much older now <laughs> true but true. just that that whole the whole beginning part and then well <laughs> it's like in the middle after uh tonai passes hisame visits him and tells him tells him uh, about things that we'll talk about, I guess. But mm-hmm. just just the fact that uh, he didn't know anything about procreation, mm-hmm. and, and the beholder is just like, you know, you totally could do it. You could you could, you could go to town. You, you just you just do it and try it. I I thought that was that was really funny too. How he said you can go to a town. Yeah. But that that also makes it sound like you can go to town, like go to town. When yeah. I first read it, I thought, I thought he said go to town and I was just dying. Yeah. And I was like, there's no way. And I, and I kept reading it. Like, oh, there's an A there. Oh. Yeah. But okay. it, it must have been intentional. Like, it's so, it's so funny. <laughs> I love that. So obviously we've established time is moving on. Is, is the world progressing in some sort of way? Like, is it, is it changing from, from eras or is it still how it was when, you know, he was first in Yanome and traveling with 
and then ended up traveling with Piorn and everything. Yeah, I had those thoughts too, actually, and I think it's hard to tell because Fushi is constantly traveling around the world, so mm. different parts of the world can even at the same time be in different states of technology, you know, or you know they they could have advanced differently. So right because of that, I think it's really it's difficult hard to, say to right tell. Now. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, okay. I would assume I would assume that the world does, you know, move forward technologically some, you know, to some extent. But I don't think we can really prove it. Yeah, I think in in theory, if the world is progressing, um, at, you know, a fairly rapid pace and obviously Fushi being immortal, the modern day type of setting could be a possibility in this story. It just totally. it just depends where Oima goes with it. But yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't realize when I first started reading. I, I mean, it was a possibility in my mind, but I didn't realize how quickly we would get to you know, two hundred years or so. You know. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention this, but the irony is not lost on me that he transformed to Perona. Mm. The irony is not lost on me. Maybe I'll bring that up again, but I'll let you uh, let Wait. you think about that. Uh, okay, <laughs> I will think on that. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> so, let's move on to Tonari then. Uh, 55-ish years old, and she is so cool. She's such a boss. Like, man, I love her. I I I love her so much. Uh, but why didn't she tell Fuji who she was? Was it really out of embarrassment, like Sandal, Sandal said at the end there? Uh, mm-hmm. Or do you think it could have been something else? I mean, just my thinking of, of what the writer could be thinking, I just, I thought it, it was just a poetic way of Fushi finding out who Tonari actually is. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it it worked well, but it was a little weird that it was just so obvious it was Tonari and that Fushi was never able to pick it up. I mean, it had been that, like, 40 years, to be fair. Right, right. But... Hey, I waited... Uh, okay, I only waited, like, a day for <laughs> <our> discussion. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I I understand. I understand that he would, it wouldn't be fresh on his mind, but still, it, you think he'd be able to pick up the pieces a little bit, but... Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I, I, I really don't have... It. I, I don't have any other idea what it could be besides <laughs> she just wanted to play coy. <laughs> yeah, right. Probably. I, I, I could, I could definitely see, see her being like that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, she knew there would be Western Morning Glory in the tea, or she very much suspected it anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. So she shared kind of her story about how she started building up her immunities. And of course, so we get cool. the explanation for why, you know, the Western Morning Glory never really affected her, having to do with the poison in her owl, Lygard, uh, and how that made her resistant to that from a very young age. Such a cool thing. And and to learn that she mm-hmm. has been going through the, this entire process of making herself resistant to all of these various poisons uh, for Fushi's sake, to in to eventually be able to to help him. And to maybe pass that on to him, such a such a cool thing to do. Yeah, it's it's impressive, and I thought it was very clever how Oima tied Ligard and and Tonari's fate in that way, and how her immunity to the Western Morning Glory was because of her owl. Like that, I think that was very 
Mm. Very clever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then she, just her going above and beyond to become immune like that uh-huh. it is incredible. Um, it, it made it made you really appreciate Tonati even more yeah. and just the amazing person she became and just a hard worker she is. But it also made her death feel even more just sudden and like, wait, no, you're so cool. Why? Yeah, like you just like, you just got back. <laughs> you just got back. Why are you leaving? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was rough. But after she died, we learned that well, at some point after she had she had passed away, mm-hmm. she became sort of a mentor figure ish for for Bon. Uh, at least for a while yeah. when he was a kid i thought that was a super neat little little thing uh and you Spreading know she, the word of fushi exactly yeah she, she she told him how he would or how he could eventually locate fushi and recognize fushi i really wonder why or how she found him yeah. I think I know why. I think because she recognized. I mean, obviously, like this this kid can talk to me. Of course, right? Of course, I can. Uh, <laughs> uh, he could talk to spirits, or whatever. So uh-huh. that obviously that's going to be useful for Fushi. I, I bet she thought, and that's great. But how did she find that? Yeah, like, yeah. Like I, I feel like it, it must have been just circumstance, or maybe so. in this kind of in in that plane of existence in that spirit world whatever you want to call it because uh, I, I imagine there's plenty of dead people walking around there sort of like that yeah and maybe you know word has spread in that and there, like oh there, there's this kid yeah the in, in this castle uh-huh. <laughs> perhaps she heard about it like that i i actually hadn't exactly really thought of it too much but i guess that could could make sense well <laughs> and it and it could be that some spirits are or just not some spirits but just that their kind of plane of existence doesn't work the same way as obviously the the real world and and they're you know they don't have to walk to get to where they need to go they could probably just appear there true um so it yeah it might be a mixture of word of mouth but also maybe just some sort of awareness that a person like that exists right totally so that yeah that's interesting definitely but I, I definitely think it's because she sees how useful that can be for Fushi. And not like trying to manipulate the boy. Of, of course not. Just, right, right. you know, anything that could help Fushi. And if they become great friends and Fushi's able, if Fushi transforms into him, hmm. I mean, that, to be able to have conversations, like, I feel, I feel like that's what's going to, where it would go. Like, he'd be able to have conversations with these spirits. Yeah. And, and Tonati. So I don't I don't know. We'll see. That could be very cool. But uh yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, do you have anything more on Tonari? I I liked your quote, think back on us whenever you can. Mm. Just that will make us happy that we lived. Yes. And I feel like that's a message that we can take into <clears throat> our own lives. Mm. Um obviously mortality is short and the only way that we live on is through memories. And I think the Beholder even kind of touches on that in some aspect. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Part of my upbringing was the importance of family history and understanding where you come from, but also the stories that they told and who they were. 
and obviously I'm not trying to make any sort of my any of my ancestors like these amazing individuals and some some of them were incredible people and doing various things but it's just it is interesting to just hear about their stories yeah but more importantly the the people who that you knew personally that pass away keeping them in mind I think is even more important than necessarily your ancestors now that I think about it because mm-hmm. you know the, the person that they want that, that they would want to remember them are you know, the people that were close to them. So I think Absolutely. what, what uh, Tonai says here is very profound. Definitely. And it really goes along with really uh, one of the major themes of the of the story from the very beginning. Yeah. Is, you know, remembering your loved ones after, they, after they're gone. Even, you know, the boy in the snow village, he, he, he would paint all of the people from the village on the wall in his, in his home in order to remember their faces. And, right. And Fushi himself... He does like that. That's a big thing for him too, because he remembers the people that he loved by having, you know, by having the ability to turn into them. And yeah, it. I think it really goes along with that really nicely. For sure. So if we don't have anything more on Tonari, we could talk maybe lump uh, Sandal into her discussion a little bit, (laughs) if you'd like. Uh, so it, we learned that he did become a doctor, just like he said he, you know, that that was his dream back in volume five mm-hmm. when they talked about that. So I thought that was really nice to see, a dream fulfilled. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's dream fulfilled. <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't have much on him other than a couple of quotes that I really liked. Yes. Y- your friends don't live to make you sad. Yeah. And then uh, we, I mean, so simple. We both love you, meeting him and Tonari. Right. Right. And I think that's. It's kind of a concept that's brought up a few times by Hayase earlier on in the story and then now and even later on in this volume is that Fushi doesn't really understand or at least the concept of love. Maybe he he's felt love before. I think he definitely felt that with being with Gugu and, and that family and, you know, Pjorn, I think he loved very much. Yeah. But I don't know if he quite understands that phrase or that expression yet maybe yeah so i think it's important for him to hear that understand that these people he spent times with his friends Mm. they do love him yeah um they don't regret being with him absolutely yeah and i think yeah i agree completely and also like the first quote you said your friends didn't live their lives just to one day bring you sadness was i think something fuji really needed to hear hmm uh, especially in that moment right after Tonari had died. And and I think, you know, still the deaths of especially Gugu and Piorin are still weighing him down, even after all these years, I think. Uh, yeah. You know, he's still wearing Gugu's trousers <laughs> uh, <laughs> after all these years, you know. Yeah. So I think that that is something to... or that's Something that I thought of for a while, like after I saw him say that, I actually had to sit down and just think about the meaning of that for a little while and... I really, really like it. It's something really. It. It it's cheerful in a melancholy way, kind of. <laughs> uh, but I think yeah, it's really, really good. So I guess that's all on uh, Tonari and Sandal. Yeah, I really wish Tonari could have lived a little longer, but yeah, she's doing. She's still doing time. <laughs> right. Exactly. She's she's still able to influence the story even though she's dead. Which I thought was really yeah. cool because that was really the first time a character who's passed away actually directly affects the story, like mm-hmm. you know, by actually interacting with another character. But anyway, anyway, uh, we were we Sorry. were done talking about her. <laughs> so let's move on to 
Hisame, the little princess. Cute kid. Hayase's granddaughter. Uh, and she's like Hayase, but wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can see her grandmother in her scary face. Definitely. Yeah, there was that one panel of her really, really, really <laughs> scary face. I was like, like, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Like a cat hissing. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah. And, and we learned that she's the first successor slash the first reincarnation of Hayase, which was definitely interesting stuff going into this. Like, like that, that's brought into this story. Like, it fits, I think, it fits with the story since it's always been about sort of like souls and and like mm-hmm. the human spirits and stuff like that. So reincarnation isn't like too surprising, but it's definitely interesting to see that. Or, well, to, to some extent anyway. It, it's mostly, as I said earlier, it's mostly like the will that's carried on, not 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 straight up a person in the new, like being the same right. person in a new body, but mostly right. like the will that's there. That's really interesting though. But it was also interesting to kind of get it, like, I guess a hard confirmation that Hayasea wanted to have a child with Fushi. Like, that was yeah. really, like, her primary will, which has mm-hmm. since been passed down to her descendants. Uh, so it was nice to get that, like, completely confirmed. So the Volume 5 cover art makes perfect sense now. Even though, obviously, we were suspecting this ever since around Volume 5. Right. Uh, but it's interesting to see it. And obviously... As you pointed out earlier, also like very cute to see how Hisame, like how how, how she thinks a child is made, and <laughs> and even Fushi doesn't understand it fully either. Like Fushi was probably lying awake. FBI, open up! Like he was probably lying awake that whole the whole night, just making sure that oh, if I fall asleep and we sleep together, we might have a child. <laughs> like I cannot fall asleep. I made sure we didn't. <laughs> yeah, I sleep with no one. <laughs> That, that, that was really, really cute. <laughs> uh, was she going to, going back to when she first came up into the story, yeah. was she going to feed him the cubes that Hayase fed at March? Yeah, I think so. It, it looked a lot like it. And wow. that was something that made March fall asleep. And she said that that's something that helps you sleep. So, or that <laughs> something along those lines. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I thought about that too. <laughs> really Man. Nice, nice reference. I mean, obviously it's just like the Yonome and, and Guardian tricks, but... It's also just Hisame, just Hisame carrying on Hayashi's will. It's like... mm-hmm. I wonder if those cubes are like just Western Morning Glory in another form. Either that, or they haven't that injected into them. Right. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, because it it does have a similar effect. But yeah, yeah, good stuff. Anything more on Hisame? When do we want to talk about the Guardians? Like um... just their people. Do we want to? Save this section. Let's or? save those for the next section, which is about Kahaku, the sixth successor of Hayase's spirit, or uh, and 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 the and the first successor to be male. I really think he'll be a a good friend. I I know. I hope so. This is Hayase we're talking about, but <laughs> something about him is different. It's just bros, man. Bros all the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. And. I don't know. Just yeah, there is that that slight doubt with him when you when you're dealing with this lineage, I guess. For sure. But he does seem a little more trustworthy and a little more uh, not thirsty, you know. <laughs> mm, I don't know. I don't know. Okay, 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 okay. When he got to see Perona there. Oh. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I was gonna save that, okay. but okay. Uh, so. 
Uh-huh. Obviously, he prefers women and is a great and is a man of culture, right? Naturally, yeah, yeah. Naturally, uh, he knows he knows fine wine when he sees it. The irony is not lost on me with Perona because mm. Hayase and Perona have this history together, and Perona was the or Hayase was the one to kill Perona. Yes, and so it's it's ironic that Kahaku would fall in love with the form of Perona, the the for, the the person that Hayase kind of viewed as her her rival her enemy yeah and so that's that's where the irony comes in <laughs> that is yeah that is really funny actually <laughs> but yeah he, he he was definitely totally simping for perona right there like oh the, yeah the I mean, he, he, was so disappointed. <laughs> he was so disappointed when he he's like i'm gonna transform into a dog <laughs> yeah he's like, oh oh okay <sighs> but you know he has been doing really a really good job working with defending the world from the knocker attacks and you know he and his army has has been seemingly doing a really good job at that uh, without fushi around you know mm-hmm. before they met fushi they heard of like that the yanome people i think it was um had been able to to fend off the knockers by themselves so that's really admirable i think really cool cool stuff and also how he exposed himself like he showed his knocker arm uh, you know in front of all those people kind of exposed him himself as a quote-unquote monster uh but he was cool with it because i guess he, he he doesn't really care too much since he's with fushi sort of kind of not only that he's able to control it so much better that too than any of the seems the previous reincarnations you know it's yeah yeah it's it's, it's very interesting and it has gotten smaller exactly fushi did take note of that i, I don't know what that means but it's gotten smaller yeah uh, but i wonder if that's gonna bite them in the butt Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the size, but the fact that they still have the knocker. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you're playing with fire here. Yeah, it's very worrisome, for sure. Yeah. But clearly, yeah. Clearly, Kahaku has a better, at least somewhat better control of it. Mm. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see going forward. Indeed. But I, I feel like his goals and just his mindset is... is much better because he's trying to help people. I mean, yeah, he still calls Fushi theirs, you know, ours, yeah. our Fushi, I think he mm-hmm. says. Yeah. And a bit possessive, but I, I feel like he's still just in his actions for the most part, most part, albeit it could just be trying to improve their image. So maybe it is just all about control, but maybe I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I still can't completely trust mm. him. Yeah, especially with the knocker arm too. Yeah, like, yeah, you can't. It becomes especially difficult, but also the the highest lineage also. Like, yeah, there, there, right. there's definitely reasons to be doubtful. <laughs> yes, yes, hmm. but at least he's not trying to seduce him at this <laughs> point. But yeah. al- allow me to say, or at least speculate. Uh-huh. I, I, I wonder if he wanted Fushi to turn into a woman, not just not just because he needed he needed. Fushi to change his form because he could have changed it to anybody else and probably been okay. Hmm. Uh, you know, he could change to Sheen or some someone just like no one really knows. But he's like a woman, do a woman, <laughs> and he's like he's like no 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 old. Yeah, come on, come on, give me something good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really felt like that. <laughs> so I don't know. So maybe he is thirsty, <laughs> and it. He still has, technically has the will of Hayase. Exactly. So maybe deep down he's just like, I want... <laughs> I want Fushi. Oh, gosh. 
I, I want Fushi. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, like, I, I don't think he can fully escape that. He's kind of a slave to that, in a sense, to, to Hayase's will. Yeah. Like, even though he might be heterosexual, uh-huh. which he does claim to be, mm-hmm. he there is still that that reincarnated will inside of him. And so when Fushi does take the form of a female, then, well, it's not so strange <laughs> that he might become just like all of his uh, predecessors, you know? Yeah. Although I although I do agree, he he does a good job at, like, not going overboard with it, like, too much at least. Right. Or, I mean, there was that one part well, where there he was, was really yeah. like, doting on her a little too much, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, but, but still, I think, all things considered, you know, with all these circumstances... I think he is doing pretty good. <laughs> kind of. Right. Yeah, Kahaku is a, is a very interesting like, character yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes I love him. from here. Because it could go in a, in a few different ways, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm exci- I am excited to see that. Allow me one, one last piece of like speculation. Yes. This it, is like, really weird for me to say because I just had in my... Um, so when I first started the story, I, I referred to Fushi as an it. Or, you right. know, just because I, I just wasn't comfortable, like, giving them a gender. Right. But then he was so comfortable as being the boy that I was, that I was I started calling him he and just being, accepting that. And I felt like the story was doing that, too. Yeah. But now I don't know with him being Perona and, and, the, and then this whole thing with Kahaku, like, don't, don't tell me that, like... <laughs> They're gonna have a child like that. That is just gonna. I don't know. Man. That's, that's that messes messes my mindset a little bit. I mean, it's not the end of the world, and and we're dealing with Fushi, an immortal, transforming being here. So I, you know, I'll I'll accept it. But it, it's just like, huh. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, if he's able, if he's comfortable with whatever way it happens, then I guess by all means. <laughs> yeah. It would be interesting if that's how Hayase's will is fulfilled exactly um, that definitely definitely would be so yeah obviously a different take right of course i'm not going to comment on on this too much but sure but it's definitely an interesting idea and i do love kahaku's character like i think he's awesome but uh but yeah we'll we'll see what happens uh did you have anything more on him or you said you maybe you had something on the on the guardians yeah uh just Obviously, their growth is incredible. I mm. mean, they're practically a country in and of themselves, uh, and that and that was just with Hisame's point. Like they they said they had they were large enough for a country, isn't it? Or it was a town? I can't remember. But it, it was it was pretty amazing, and it I don't know. But it, at the same time, they seem to be separate from the Yanome, or at the very least, the the Yanome are a country. And guardians are a religion. <laughs> something, yeah, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, I think, I think so. <laughs> anyway, so the guardians, while still kind of sketchy, I don't know. They, they've, they've played more of a of a role in the world building than I thought they would. So it's fascinating, I think. Yeah, and they've really proven themselves, you know, to to do good in the world. Especially, especially under the leadership of Kahaku. Yeah, like I did not expect that. I honestly thought that they would potentially cause some issues, and maybe there's something happening in the background. But right. I don't know. It seems like they're really trying to make the world a better place. Right. And also, they're quite capable. 
capable of taking yeah. down the knockers. Totally. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, wow, it's like it's like well, maybe this wasn't such a bad thing after all. Exactly. Yeah, things are things are looking looking pretty good right now with uh with Kahaku and that that side of things plus the potential future of cooperation with Bon. I mean, we don't know for sure, but right. At least Fushi has that in mind. Yeah. As a as a possibility. Um, so, uh, anything more on Kahaku and the Guardians? No, just things are good now, then something bad's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know it. It's Eventually. The story in a nutshell. Yeah. But then let's move on to Bonjin Nikolai La Tasty Peach Uralis. I can't believe Peach is in his name. <laughs> Tasty Peach. <laughs> Tasty Peach. I love it. I love it. I, it's the best name ever. Okay. I like this guy. Yeah, he's quite the character. I really like him. <laughs> and he, yeah, you know, definitely at first glance, he seems like this very spoiled prince, mm-hmm. acts just like a child. Um, yeah. I think he still does by the end of it, or at, by the end of this right. book. But I was very happy to to actually, like, get into his backstory very early, like, pretty mm-hmm. pretty soon after he was introduced, because... Without that backstory in this book, I think having just read this book, I would have had a very bad impression of him. Yeah. Uh, but thanks to the backstory, it really helped a lot. You know, he he's got this ability to quote unquote see everything. I see dead people. Which was which was I don't know if it's a little bit vague. Obviously, the 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 obvious thing is that he can see dead people mm-hmm. uh, and interact with them. But he also claims to be able to see the future. So yeah. I don't know exactly to what extent he's able to do that, if at all. But but it seems like this seeing everything ability is broader than just seeing seeing the spirits of the dead. Yeah, I thought, you know, when I first read it, I thought the seeing the future part was just him exaggerating or maybe say being very confident that he'll be king. And that's how he sees the future. Right, might be. Might be. Um, but... Reading it a second time, I, I, yeah, I was wondering, maybe there's more to his powers than we understand right now that the story is letting on, but I don't know. Right, we'll yeah. See. Yeah, we, yeah, it does remain to be seen. You know, usually I don't like the posh characters, <laughs> but because of that backstory and just even his mannerisms and, and kind of his, uh, just some of his lines make him endearing, even right. in the short time he comes in and... I really hope it works out going forward. Absolutely. At least a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and, and I agree completely. Like, his character, like, before the backstory comes, I was just so annoyed with him. Like, oh my god, who is this clown? Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, definitely the backstory helped so much. Uh, and, and yeah, like, it was as we, as we mentioned earlier, like, he had Tonari, like, her spirit would talk to him before he mm-hmm. went to bed. And stuff like that. And it was thanks to her that he was able to recognize and and kind of locate Fushi. And he even recited one of Tonari's quotes uh, that she had said to him when he later on talked to Fushi. The thing about sharing your gifts with the people around you was something that she had said to him. That, that he would be, he does that, that he can do that. And mm. he, when he walked into Fushi's tent... He said that that's what Fushi does, and but then he, he added that that's that's what I would say if I was your old friend, something like that, which was a really nice little 
nod to that kind of. Uh, and I, I guess it, it sort of also kind of indicates that Bon and Fushi are somehow alike because they both supposedly have this ability, at least according to Bon. Uh, or at least, at least he thinks so. Like, since mm -hmm. obviously he was the one who used it in that kind of way. But, you know, maybe there's something more to that. Potentially. I, I'm i not sure, but I, at the very least, I hope he does become the ally, the friend that he, Fushi needs. Yeah. Oh, yes. You know? I hope so. Definitely. I don't know if we have too much more on him. He he made his debut kind of late into the book. Yeah. But and if, do you have anything more? I really wonder if that girl spirit will come back again at all yeah and i wonder what kind of yeah what kind of role or importance that is if if anything i don't know it's... yeah it seems like it's important you know it, it seems like it was it was gonna lead up to something especially since yeah, she yeah, yeah. came and uh, she left that handkerchief or like the thing that she had been working on on his mm -hmm. bed which is also interesting if that's a physical object how how does that work or is it right? just like a ghostly object? <laughs> like, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I I think she's real. <laughs> interesting theory. I that, mean, that would explain why the handkerchief is there physically, if, if it is. Right. And no one sees her, but I think she just escapes quickly. Mm -hmm. And they just assume it's one of the spirits he's been seeing. Right. But that could just be me, me being... Not romantic, as in like I sense romance, but just mm -hmm. you know romanticism. That that kind right. Of. No, absolutely, definitely. I I really like that theory. All right, then let's move on to the beholder. Their relationship, his and Fushi's relationship, is it it it's almost comedic at this point. Yeah, like especially you know with the re reproductive organs and stuff like that. That was really <laughs> funny. Like that that was definitely really funny. <laughs> And then another one where is it? Oh, that's how they've been, or or that's what they're doing now. Not talking about the knockers, like hiding in the arm. Wow, it's like that's weird. Or he says something like that. Oh then, yeah, like that's what they think is smart, or like oh that's oh that's or, what they think is clever, or, or something like, like that. They, yeah, so, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, but then, but then Fuji just turns around. And is like, oh, I bet he knew the whole time. <laughs> and, yeah. So I, you know, oh, I do wonder if he knew, because uh, he didn't mm. say anything about sensing it. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I wondered too. <laughs> but as we have touched on a little earlier in the discussion here, the Beholder does go more in depth about like the human soul or spirit, and yeah. he refers to it as a phi. And and also, I guess we've also kind of touched on this already with how the the phi can carry on. Like if it does go into a new body, it can carry on the the will of the previous person, um, and that's probably what you know what's happening both with Hisame and everyone later in her succession, as well as Fuji himself. Here's what's interesting to me is that Phi needs a husk, a body, hmm. in order to, well, to, I guess, live. Right. Um, which is, I guess, is kind of goes along with the whole spirit idea. But now that we have, have spirits that we can see, or at least these bone can see. Right. It makes me wonder if Fushi could potentially make a husk of a body and then these spirits can go into them. That seems a little weird, <laughs> and I don't know why the story would go in that direction, but I don't know. If these guys are just chewing around and if Fai can just go into a body and... 
So you're thinking, hypothetically, if he would create a lifeless husk of Gugu's body, then Gugu's spirit can just go into that body and, and he would be alive again. Is yeah. That, is that your thinking? That That's... that's so, so, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, just theoretically. I'm not saying that's right. where the story's going to go, but based on what Beholder was discussing and what we learned saw at the end of the chapter or volume, that's just kind of where my thought went. Right. That's a very interesting theory. Like, it seems plausible but also kind of broken like <laughs> maybe a bit I don't know. <laughs> huh. but let's say fushi would be able to do that like let, let, let's say that that's a thing that can happen in this magic system or whatever we want to call it uh-huh fushi still wouldn't be able to bring everyone back to life if he would want to do that right. because he would still need a shape for himself at least if he would want to be in human form you know well, that implies that the spirits going into the body means he can't transform into the body either. Right. So he has to have the spirit, the fire around in order for to transform into those, to those body. Potentially. But then we, but then we see him able to transform into Purin and Veen and other people who have decided to move on. Or yeah, their fire supposedly. Like I guess. We didn't, sure, we didn't, definitely didn't see everyone, you know, walking with Fushi there at the very end. But it's also possible that there could be more people off screen. Ah. Uh, I, I get, potentially. Oh, that's a good point. That, we we, we can't know for sure, I guess. That's um, fair. That's fair. But, but it's, I mean, it's still possible that you're onto something. I'm, I don't know. Well, and now that you think about it, well, now that I think about it, when he's able to take someone's body, it's because of the empty husk, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It's. Like the fire is not there. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I'm 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 confusing myself with this. Point. <laughs> I'm sure we'll learn more about this as as the story progresses. But it's still it was still really nice to get more like to go more in depth on it in this book. Yeah. Um. The beholder tells Fushi that Fushi's discomfort around Hizame was due to him not really knowing her very well, and he suggested that Fushi should approach her a little bit at a time in order to, quote-unquote, become immune to her. And I thought that was a really nice way to foreshadow the reveal later on about Tonari's poison immunities. Oh! Like, it, it's really, like, the same kind of way that he talked about it. Is Good point. At, is kind of in that same way. And I, th I thought that was really, really nice. Obviously, it's nothing you'll notice on your first read-through, but it's, yeah, I, I thought that was a nice little touch. Yeah, that's a good, good comparison. <laughs> it's also nice to know that the beholder doesn't like it, it becomes very clear i think in this book that the beholder doesn't really know everything he's not all knowing far from it uh, he mm -hmm. he doesn't know what this what the objective of the knockers is exactly he speculated in this book that the knockers might be jealous potentially of of us he said which he to says me, us yeah to me seemed like him and fushi or at least that's where my mm -hmm. mind went although of course it could be him and some other group of beings like him uh, yeah, <laughs> but we have talked about this before. <laughs> I do have more to say on this though, and this uh -huh. is me going big brain theories here. Go for it. Um, that were probably stupid. <laughs> so, if it if it's supposed to be us, as in him and Fushi, huh? is the is the beholder made of the same material as Fushi? Mm. And so, what if he experienced the same life that Fushi kind of did? Not not exactly the same, but he went through the same kind of a growth and experience as a ball then becoming eventually becoming human and then he created his own world i don't know why they're creating his own world but he experienced a different world 
and then the beholder eventually gets to reach a point where he can create his own world and then he feels obligated to save that or save that world for or or something some sort of purpose for fushi in order for him to create his own world as well mm. um it's it's kind of like it becomes a never-ending cycle of creating worlds i guess yeah creating fushis and worlds but i don't know it's that's just one thought i had when it, when he said us but but also the fact that the knockers were jealous of us so yeah why would they be jealous? Maybe because they are jealous of the process that they go through. Right. I don't know why. But. Right. You know, this is, I, I'm really happy to, to hear you come up with uh, this to, this sort of theory because I've basically had a, almost an identical theory since the previous volume. Well, like really? Since last time we talked. Yeah. Uh, pretty much the same thing. Not quite exactly, but very, very similar. Uh, basically that, the beholder may have started out just like 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 Fushi did, like, like you said, mm. and that he is now teaching Fushi everything that he needs in order to eventually replace the beholder. Because we learned a few oh. volumes back that the beholder is not going to exist forever. Fushi will outlive him. Was made clear in one of the oh, previous volumes. So that's what if Fushi's true. destiny is to become the new beholder? And. Oh. And um, that could be it. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Right. Like, I, I think that's, I mean, it's similar to yours. I guess just like has a little bit different, a different focus, but I, I was really happy to see you suggesting a very similar theory there. And, and, and yeah, like how that could become a cycle of sorts. Like when Fushi's time eventually, like when his end eventually draws near, he, he might, you know, place an immortal being onto the earth. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the cycle continues that way. P- potentially. I, I, Yeah. Really interesting to think about that. <laughs> so another reason why I thought about that was all the way back to I think it's the first chapter mm. where Fuji basically asked what you what do you want me to do? When will this end? And or when will my objective be complete? And the beholder says, When you can recreate the entire sea and but and you realize that all of it is yours. Oh yeah, the first chapter in this book. Right, yeah. Did I say the series? Uh, no, no, you didn't say. You, you only said the first chapter. So I, in my mind, I thought about the very first chapter. Sorry. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm in the volume. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes, yes. And so you hear that, and it's and it's it applies that to me. One, he has to be able to create, recreate all of this, hmm. but that it's all his. And so I, I, it kind of lends to your theory more that he would replace him. But when I first when I first was thinking about it, it did get me thinking maybe he would have to create his own world um, in that sense. But right. uh, I think both are interesting theories and uh, we'll, we'll see if we're both terribly wrong or if, <laughs> exactly. or if we're somewhere in, the, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. I'm super excited to see to see more about that. Uh, but obviously that's like the long, the long-term that's reveal. That's a long haul. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but yeah, super yeah. interesting. And also really fun that we both had a very sim- like very similar theories I like at the same time. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything more on the Beholder? He's still acting like he's not human again, which also got me thinking about what if he's the same thing as Fushi. Right, right. You know? Yeah. But he's also so powerful. Like, he... Assuming yeah. assuming he has had a similar journey as Fushi, he has, you know, mm-hmm. continued growing and growing and growing in, in 
power and his like his abilities that he has reached this state now that he's at where he is essentially a god and i guess it's not well it's not super strange for him then to to think himself higher than humans and to be very different from an actual human mm. yeah sure but i also think that fushi's potential growth could be end up being becoming like the beholder becoming a god yeah oh, absolutely um, mm. of, of sorts so yeah this could be fushi could be like a prebiscent or the making of a god like the growth of god exactly yeah yeah totally <laughs> um 13,036 people died from knocker attacks without Fushi being there. Right. I think that was pretty pretty heavy for Fushi. But the older says, you know, more people die from natural disasters. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I guess that makes it better. <laughs> That's all I have. Gotcha. Then uh, the last thing or the last little thing I have to talk about here is the knocker. So what I got on them is for the past 40 years, they don't seem to have really changed their tactic tactics too much while fighting Fushi. You know, over those 40 years, um, I think Fushi made, in the, made, made a remark that they it was just the same every time, sort of. Uh, which, I don't know, They I, maybe they just they couldn't find a new way to upgrade themselves or a new way to, to fight Fushi. So, you know, he just kept on kicking their ass for 40 years um, until until you know about the time when the volume begins when their new tactic is to attack elsewhere where fushi isn't um, yeah and i think that that's been a really well a, a new interesting kind of take on them but that, that also as the beholder said is a good thing in a way because it makes or it takes away fushi's reason to stay away from everyone stay away from the world mm-hmm. um so i guess you can view like if you want to look at it from the from a bright side. The bright then. side. Yeah. <laughs> the beholder side. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that that was interesting. Like a new and then the new tactic after forty years is to to attack where they won't be bothered by Fushi supposedly. I wonder what this knocker in the Hayase lineage is mm. is doing. If is it acting on its own? Are they are they all kind of one? connected being and this is just a plan of theirs right or, or like i said is, is it acting on its own i i'm not sure I, obviously i don't have any sort of answer <laughs> but it makes me wonder why he desired or why why it accepts being in hayase's arm yeah. uh, or, or you know their arm and, and now um Kahaku's arm. Uh-huh. What is it? What is it trying to gain from this? Other than, I guess, I guess maybe the fact that Hayase wants to be near Fushi, the knocker or this knocker at least sees it as a way to somehow get at him. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. And it's just, it, just potentially biding his time, and maybe it's impatient at times. I, I don't know. Yeah, my 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 best guess is is that it's trying to play like the long game, and just really to wait for the perfect moment somehow mm-hmm. although although it's uh, it's it's hard to say cuz let's say it would be alone with fushi and be able to get like the first hit in yeah fushi at this point has so many vessels <laughs> yeah it's true it would have to go through and and steal all of those in order to defeat fushi 
So I don't know. It, I don't know. Hopefully we'll learn more about that. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Do you have anything else you'd like to talk about? Uh, just some random stuff that not related to knockers or anything. Mind if I... All right, let's do it. Go for it. Okay, so Pussy's faces when middle-aged are too good. It's, they're just so funny because mm. there's one where Hisame, I think, mentions that she's reincarnated Hayase, and he's just like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, like, yes. It's just, his face is so, so great. And then, then he has... A, there was one where Hisame was really bothering him and or trying to ask him to do all... The, or was trying to do all these things for him. And the one time he's in the bath and his face is like, huh? Yes, yes. <laughs> I, love, I love that face. <laughs> Would you like me to rub your back? <laughs> to wash your back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, this middle, middle-aged Fushu is pretty great. Yeah, um, I want more of him. <laughs> just comedic-wise. Uh, many, many arrows are better than one. I, that's another line that Sandals mm. said, I believe. Yes. But I'm glad that he's slowly understanding that better in the context of you know his friends and and just relying and trusting people mm, totally well we mentioned that the, there's the bear march gugu and tonati there with fushi but there's no one else it seems around right uh, i guess ligard ligard is there after he, it dies um, yes but that's about it uh, right at least as far as we can see it's right, hard to, for now right 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 exactly right. Um, I'm not sure exactly why that is, except those are kind of the main ones, or is there any importance? Uh, I, I, it's so cute the way Hisame scoots near Fushi when they're around the fire. She goes, "Scoot, scoot, scoot!" Yeah. And and to tell him about uh, babies. Yeah. Um, it, it was really cute. Um, really, yeah. I love how Fushi enjoyed making the guardians and Hayase's. Uh, reincarnations uncomfortable by trans transforming into an that was just a little small something he's like he's yeah. like i look forward to them coming now <laughs> <laughs> right yeah. yeah that was really funny it's been it's been so much fun to follow along with fushi's journey and his growth just as a person and how at this point he's just he just enjoys messing with these people that he right has an issue with for a good reason yeah uh, <laughs> well this is something i forgot to mention the fushi's section mm-hmm. but we actually get narration from fushi Oh uh, yeah, we we never right. we haven't had at least this long this this extended narration as he explains his sea story as he explains his time in the town and the things he learned and the things he picks up exactly. Like, it's so fascinating that seven volumes in where like you know back in volume three he 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 was still struggling to put sentences together, but now we have full on narration <laughs> yeah from him. So it's it's incredible how much he's grown. Totally, yeah. Uh, lastly, uh, he gets the egg in the face. He's like, "Now I can, now I can cook eggs whenever I want." Yes, yeah. That that was <laughs> so that was that, that was one of the well, also one of the funnier parts. <laughs> uh, All right, I'm done. <laughs> again, looking at the bright side of life. Right. right. Uh, good old Fushi. But yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's it. Um, unless we have anything more, but I think I think we've, we've covered the volume pretty pretty well here. Any predictions or stuff like that? Not a prediction, but more so overall this volume felt like it was a setup volume. There was a lot to cover in it, and there was a lot of characters going on and yeah. ending to some and the start of new. Uh, and like we mentioned, this, the, the time pacing was just so fast. But I, I, I felt like it was setting up the next arc, uh, the, next, yeah. the next part. 
And so maybe the time will slow down now. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. In the physical book, it actually says, like, at the very last page, it says, the Uralis arc begins. Huh. Um, so, so you, I think you're absolutely right about that. And, 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 yeah, it's strange. Like, it definitely feels somewhat like a setup volume, even though there was really so much that happened. Like, it's yeah. full of content. Like, so many mm-hmm. things went down in this book. So, yeah, yeah, I guess... I guess that just goes to show how how good of a writer or of a storyteller Oima is that what even when it's just set up it's it's so it's so eventful and and exciting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, awesome. Awesome. I can't wait for the next or to talk about the next book. So, if you enjoy our content, you can follow us on Twitter at umami manga and it would be lovely if you'd like to support us by either rating our show on the podcast platforms or subscribing to our channel Umami Manga on YouTube. If you like this episode, please share it around with anyone you think might enjoy it too. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time, where we'll talk about Volume 8. Bye-bye. See you later.